0: Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Star Wars Lads Reviews of Andor. We are talking about the season one finale, episode 12 here today uh, it's finally here the season finale we've been waiting for the big battle on Ferrix. how did it go down well, we're going to talk about it right now but before we do so please hit that like button down below and subscribe to the channel for continued star wars content we want to give you guys the best star wars content on the internet and subscribing is really the best way to show us that you'd like to support our channel and you want to see more from us here at star wars lads so make sure you subscribe and comment down below. Let us know what you thought of the finale of Andor Season One. We will be talking about predictions and speculation again on Friday for Season Two. It will be the last predictions video for Andor Season One. So stay tuned for that as well. If you have not checked out our review of the High Republic conversions, we reviewed the newest book in the High Republic on Monday. It, the book just came out yesterday on Tuesday. So if you haven't read the book, don't worry. We go into non-spoiler talk on that video. Let's dive into and or season one finale. Uh, this was an awesome episode. We got a lot of the things we've been building towards... Put in motion here and a lot of things wrapped up, but also a, a nice future paved for season two, a future that I think is far more open ended than we expected. We'll get into that on the predictions and speculation. But let's talk here about this initial big battle on Ferex. We built up to the scene, we built up to this really entire episode for 11 full episodes of the show. Sonic, what were your thoughts on what finally went down here on Ferex?
1: Well, I think. Before I even jump into that, I was very pleased that you know a lot of these Star Wars shows love to undercut us with runtime, and I'm like, this needs at least 45 50 minutes. And we got that, that's what made this finale great. I I loved it. Um, so I, there, there was a lot of elements of it that were different. Um, Andor has definitely pulled closer to more of our world with like its aesthetics and. Some of it's dialogue, um, a little bit more grounded in a lot of ways, especially reaffirming that the bad guys are the bad guys and things like that. Just with a little bit more nuance, more complexities. Um, But the thing that I think really stood out for me uh, from the start was the cinematography. We're returning to Ferrix, which had a little bit more of like, I want to say a minimalistic camera direction, which really fit with the tone of like living on that planet. But here we're on the verge of explosion, right? Like Marva is dead. She's not going to go quietly into the afterlife without something up her sleeve. And that's that was that was obvious from the start. But there's also like all those storylines that were all slowly working their way here. And then we started getting like all these aerial tracking shots. We saw the city feel lively and bigger and more expansive than ever before it, it stopped feeling like a set at times and it just fully felt like a city in this episode and i think that's that was really the the key to unlocking this finale it, i stopped imagining ferrix as like a portion or a road and yeah that's i think that's probably pretty pretty ironic because everything that happens here is supposedly on one road at the end of the day but it felt huge it felt massive we could feel the alleys the little gutters everything was vibrant and the cinematography really elevated that yeah and as far as action goes it didn't we're not going to get like a mandalorian gunslinger we're not going to get a kenobi force battle we're we're going to get the harsh reality of everyone kind of dealing with the massacres of standing up to the empire um so that that was that was pretty interesting though because i i was expecting as wonderful as it was to see um the detail of the fighting people jumping on each other crawling like it was very grounded very realistic the way that this whole show has been but i was surprised that they kind of like limited seeing what the massacre's finality was we didn't really see like the medium shots we didn't see the people tending to each other we didn't see the result of like did did these people on ferricks win for the day supposedly, or did the Empire completely crush them? We didn't see those things, which I thought was a pretty interesting way to end all this action. Any qualms that I had, any of these little nitpicks that I'm picking up now, they weren't there when I was watching those 20 minutes. It was... It gave us the finale that the show, this season at least, deserved. And I think it was explosive in the way that an Andor show was always going to be.
0: It certainly was that. And... The the Gilroys are just masters of of tension, especially political tension and interpersonal tension. The amount of reaction shots and, and facial shots, facial acting they get out of their actors is quite impressive, and and using that to their utmost with the combination of sounds and, and all of that worked really well. There's a, you know you can tell there's a, a mastery of the craft of filmmaking here that really is on display that. That uses more grounded, realistic things to elevate the show rather than heightened effects or heightened action, and and really just gives us a true look at a a rebellion, an explosion that happens purely out of out of chaos. And we've kind of predicted that this chaos is coming. This whole season was built up to ultimately. How is the empire going to be react to being punched in the face? and they don't do it very well we see here them just completely crumbling under the fear that people might go against them the The show of force that they're so emphasizing throughout this episode like that we want to show that we're not afraid of these people even though they're just trying to have a demonstration of a funeral like and the chaos of the battle i love the smoke i thought that was a great touch the Dedra scene where she is on the ground and just the, the feet are all across her. She's getting kicked. She's getting grabbed. But there's stormtrooper boots walking by. There's people, like just civilians walking by. There's It's just probably one of the best sequences of, of pure battle chaos that we've seen in Star Wars ever. Kind of reminiscent of something like Battle of the Bastards when Jon Snow is like completely just getting... Pummeled by the bodies and and just getting suffocated like that's that was such a great shot and honestly probably my favorite shot of the whole sequence and I think one of the more brilliant parts is that Cassie's not even involved with it it's it's truly a conflict that's born out of becoming a symbol because of the oppression that the empire has put there and by doing the actions that they do in this show or in this episode reaffirming what everybody is already feeling and ultimately it boils over and Cassian are kind of a focal point of this whole show are, are kind of spark and, and oftentimes the player in the show that is causing the problems and the chaos ultimately has nothing to do with it. It, It's his mom, who's the spark, but he chooses a path that really elevates him into a new direction that we ultimately expected this finale to do, but in a completely different way. So let's talk about Cassian a little bit too, because his, his role in this episode is so much more understated than we kind of figured it would be. He doesn't get the action role that we kind of expected, but his role and his choices throughout this episode are definitely informed on all 11 episodes of things we've seen from him in the past. And ultimately, I think, come to a really satisfying place, especially for leading into season two. So Nick, what were your thoughts on on the way Cassian was used in this episode?
1: Yeah, I, I think to the Point that you were saying about like you know when we see Dedra being suffocated and dragged and pulled right, it also reminded me like a much more serious version of the Battle of Mimban with Han. I I think Cassian his mother gives him like the fire, the passion, the grit to do these things. The softer side seems to definitely pull from Clem, and I really did appreciate that little bit flashback. Yeah, we got Nemec's manifesto finally, like, used. Like, yeah, like I said last week in the predictions, there was going to be some level of, like, okay, since we got a little tidbit of him when he was checking his locker, he calls calls Cassian his ideal listener, ideal reader of his manifesto. And I think what was interesting is that, you know, maybe in Nemec's mind, he sees, like, a Che Guevara or some sort of guy who reads a book and is, like, you know, radicalized brought to the full moon in all his way. But that's that's kind of like the bias of anemic of a scholar. The person that he thinks Cassian is is only fully realized by like only partially listening to it. Like he kind of puts it aside. Like he he gets what he needs from it, but it's only a reaffirmation. I think that and then having that be connected to what Marva's line delivered by Brasso like you already know everything you need to be who you are to be that spark, right? I I thought that was really nice. Like, it's not, it, it, Cassian is not, you know, our rich kid who becomes a socialist or something like that. I think, I think that was a very smart choice to, again, reaffirm that he is always been living the scrappy life. He's been in the trenches. He's struggled. He's gone through so many different things. So, why would some kid who's had a privileged upbringing, what has manifested right or not, why would that be like, the big impetus for him becoming a rebel it's his experiences it's his values it's who he's raised by these things only add a little bit more fancier words and reiterate what he knows and maybe gives him a little bit more fortitude but you know his the ideal reader ironically for nemic is the person who's willing to only skim through his manifesto the big stuff was very nice it's a nice little sweet connection that you know he didn't he didn't necessarily find his sister this season but you know whoever he has closest to him the female the last woman in his life that he can care for he came back for her Uh, he did what he could right he was willing to throw himself out of garrison to save her luckily marva kind of cleared the whole area for him um and then that final you know that final conference the the final goodbye to her and Brasso and everyone saying like, I'll find you. That was an interesting thing for me because again, we don't see the fallout of that whole riot battle. And then finally, you know, Luthen, right. He he goes to Luthen and he's like, all right, kill me if you want to, or take me in. Like I am, I am the perfect rebel now. So I I like the direction that he went, the buildup of him, of, from the manifest onwards being on the outskirts on the perimeter of everything happening and yet still being the reason for it being affected by it i thought that was a very very strong way to end his season arc and it perfectly epitomizes cassian cassian's not the person who leads by vocally he's not the person who's you know strategizing he's in it right he's affecting things he might affect other people in a way to inspire them and whatnot but he's just he's a guy who does things and i i I, this this whole episode really reaffirmed he's a doer for me so i I really appreciated that
0: yeah i completely agree he's never been a leader in rogue one we're getting to rogue one right that's what we're shooting for this whole show is to build up to rogue one and who cassian is in rogue one And, and he is not a leader in that and it makes so much sense, so much more sense even to have Marva be the symbol because she is the town treasure. Everybody comes to her. They love her. She's like the town mother and her death and her words of inspiration have kept people going for a long time, let alone now starting a revolution. I, I think that was all brilliant to have. And and Cassian's role in this really is just to mop up everything he left undone, like he left his mother there and he we see that conversation get to unfold where he's upset and and sorry that he couldn't take her and he wanted to take her and she wouldn't do it and he was frustrated but deep down he also knows that he really couldn't have done anything about that and we get to see him at least right all the wrongs that he hasn't gotten to yet he got to save Bix who's only in custody because of him he got to help Brasso escape And, and everyone who is now worse off than they were because of him, he is able to fix all of that and make it right. So he gets rid of all his demons in this episode and now he's ready to vote himself completely. And their final, con- the con- final conversation with Luthen was so good. I thought that was perfect way to end this series and a perfect way for, if we in the future, our time jumping, you know, it, it's now plausible. Like they are together. They've always been cut from the same cloth. It was something I really wanted to see for season two was them together. And working and seeing Cassian slowly become this methodical, really obsessive, (laughs) like Luthen, he does not really care about anything besides this cause. And he's so focused and hellbent on achieving it. I wanted to see Cassian get there because Cassian is there in Rogue One. So I think that's going to be set up to be a really nice, compelling narrative here in the future. And I thought it paid off really well. So we have a lot, a couple other characters who don't really have as big a role, obviously, but they are in this sh- this episode. We have Mon Mothma, who's got about three scenes, I would say, in this episode, and they go pretty similarly to how we expected. We also have Dedra, who plays a big role in this episode, but doesn't really have you know meaty dialogue or anything to it. She is just the face of the villains for this episode, and she does a great job at that. Then we also have Cyril and Dedra's storylines re colliding and kind of solidifying for what might be their direction in season two. We don't want to talk about their direction yet because they will say that for predictions again. but Sonic, what were your thoughts on some of the I guess the minor storylines that were left in this episode that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Yeah, uh, I guess the easiest one to jump onto is Mon Matma. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's fairly obvious that she's probably the one who got the short end of the stick in this episode. But it's very obvious she just pins her husband with the fake accusation of like, oh, you're gambling again, right? Because she wants her driver to listen in. And we finally got what we always always suspected, that every conversation was being listened to. And we got to also see him report to Blevin, which was a pretty interesting connection there. But I, I don't know. I, I I wish she had some sort of reaction to things on Ferrux, to things that are going on with the Rebellion. She felt very disconnected for me. Vel and Sinta, you know, that stuff was not great. Another affirmation of that relationship. Yeah, I don't think there's really anything else other than the Dedra and Cyril stuff. Now, that was interesting. I know a lot of people have been in denial of Cyril's obsession with uh, Dedra. They're like, no, he's just a stalker. Or even myself, I thought, you know, maybe he'll be use like as a, like a wild dog on let loose on ferricks but he, this is it's like a weird fascist wet dream of like he saved the day he saved the girl he loves and she's not totally against him she has a very intimate moment there's a lot of tension in that room there and she's shaking and he's you know he's like a her her savior which is I think it was a very strong end. It's a lot of setup. It's a lot of setup for what that dynamic could be like moving forward. I wish Cyril still was a little bit more of a dynamic character in this season. He definitely falls off from where he was in the first three episodes, but at least now he's directly connected to Dedra moving forward and his story can actually really evolve, explode, and he can really grow into chasing down Cassian and possibly becoming a foil for him.
0: Yeah, I'll start with the Cyril and Dedra part. Cyril's role, I think, I was hoping was a bit bigger in this episode in particular, and to reiterate what you said, throughout kind of the last two-thirds of this season... I think we are going to get hopefully a big payoff for him in the future but his role is never really clear what his intention and what his plan is in this episode is it just to observe is it to find and kill Cassian which he doesn't really actively ever do he spends most of his time just watching the funeral and then ultimately the riot but once he sees Dedra then all his attention is turn towards her. Him saving Deirdre, that whole scene is very uncomfortable and and kind of strange. And it's also strange for both characters. I think they played it off really well. I'm very interested in talking about where that storyline might go in our next video coming out on Friday, because that is one that just seems really different than anything we've seen before. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how Tony Gilroy is looking to write those two characters. Everything else, that we saw with Mon Mothma, I thought was nice. I agree that it it is a bit distant. It's always been distant from the show and it's kind of why we were predicting some type of reunion with Luthen before the end of the season. Because it would be a way for Mon Mothma to tie back in. It's always kind of been the only way she ties into the Cassian storyline and everything that's been going on with Ferrex or the ISB. Nothing's really ever connected back to Mon Mothma besides the money thing, and we do wrap that up in this episode. And I love the way she does manipulate it. it poor Perrin, but you know, again, he's he's another chip to be used, and we see that she is starting to make those decisions that she's willing to sacrifice things and people for the cause. And I think that is uh, is something that we wanted to see her growth in. And, and we got to see that in this episode. This season kind of doesn't really wrap up her personal inner conflicts, her personal growth with becoming a rebel. It more just sends her on that path. So lining up with how much time we skip between season one and two is going to be interesting for her arc. All right, so since this was the end of the season, we will be doing a score for this season. And this is a tough one to give a score for, for sure, because unlike Mandalorian or even Boba Fett, if that gets a season two, this show is not episodic. It does not really wrap up. It has a lot of cliffhangers and it's leading towards what will be probably a very satisfying season two, but we're still gonna give it a score here fresh off of watching this last episode. Ascenec, what would you give and or season one out of five?
1: Yeah, out of five, I, I want to say it's like a 4.25. It was, it was really good for me. Definitely feels like Gilroy is going to have a lot of payoff in season two, so I'm not worried about anything. But I this show was successful. I mean, it's a huge genre shift, brought in a lot of characters that wouldn't otherwise be more than background or supporting characters in a film or TV show. And made them compelling, and made the world compelling, made Star Wars feel like it could be a real serious drama, and it successfully proved that you can do like serialized anthologies in live action, just like the Clone Wars was. I, I, so I definitely appreciate it for that. So, yeah, four point two five, probably one of the better seasons of Star Wars live action that we'll get in Disney Plus.
0: I agree. I was going to give it the exact same score, four point two five when it comes to season 1 it is so hard to grade i've begun a rewatch of the show as well with you know binging two or three episodes at a time and i think that definitely helps with some of the pacing it's it's a show that is extremely rewarded by rewatches every episode is so densely packed with dialogue and information and so many different branching storylines that every time you watch the episode again for second third fourth time You get something out of it or you get a piece, especially after seeing later episodes, you know, you get those pieces, that building block that really emphasize how tightly packaged the show is and how well written it is. It is such a nice, compact piece of Star Wars that elevates its material and its world to something we have not yet seen before. And I think season two has a shot to make this show obviously one of the best Star Wars shows of all time. But it is really hard to grade just season one, especially in a season one that frankly wrapped up a lot more loosely than we expected it to with the jump in timeline for season two. It's going to be interesting to talk about, but we will be talking about it in our predictions and speculation, which will come out Friday. So make sure you check out our final predictions speculation for Andor season one we will be talking about what will happen in season two. If you have not yet, please give this video a like and comment below, let us know what you thought of Andor episode 12, the finale, and let us know what you thought of season one as a whole. Give us a score, let us know your thoughts in the comments we always read and respond to all of your comments. And again, if you have not subscribed to our channel, it's the best way to show your support for us and to show us that you like our content and want to see more. We really love making content for all of you guys and we hope to make the best Star Wars content out there, but your subscriptions are the best way to help us continue pushing our channel further into new directions and into the future. Make sure to continue to check out our future videos. We will have the History of the Star Wars Franchise Part 4 up on Tuesday. Next week, we are returning to our two-video-a-week schedule, our Tuesday-Friday schedule. So if you're some of the uh, many people that have joined us throughout Andor in these last 10 weeks or so since the show started, we do usually release only two videos a week, but we will be continuing putting out our, our content calendar as well as a bunch of polls and stuff. So all not, nothing else will change. Just we're going back to our two video a week structure, Tuesday and Friday. So make sure you continue to check out all of the new content that we have coming out for you guys. And if you haven't checked out our High Republic Convergence review, that went up on Monday again. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time. <music>